Conway interjected. Well, he hasn't given an interview in three weeks, so lately it has been his preferred method, Melvin replied. Even setting aside that three-week modification, Melvin is correct that the administration has touted Twitter as being more important than media coverage. After Trump won the presidency in November, he and his team were asked if they would stop tweeting so much as president. The answer? No, because the media can't be trusted. Shortly after the election, Trump spoke with CBS's Leslie Stahl, telling her how he planned to moderate his Twitter use once he was sworn in. I'm going to do very restrained, if I use it at all, I'm going to do very restrained, he said. I find it tremendous. It's a modern form of communication. There should be nothing you should be ashamed of. It's, it's where it's at. By January, his description of his Twitter habit was a bit less enthusiastic. Look, I don't like tweeting. I have other things I could be doing. But I get very dishonest media, very dishonest press. And it's my only way that I can counteract, Trump told Reuters in January. That's the theme. The media is the enemy, so Trump will tweet to the people directly. On ABC's This Week in January, incoming press secretary Sean Spicer made that same case. With all due respect, I think it freaks the mainstream media out that he has this following of over 45-plus million people that follow him on social media that he can have a direct conversation with, Spicer said. The fact of the matter is that when he tweets, he gets results, he added. Given that Trump and his team have explicitly presented Twitter as his trusted outlet for communicating with his base, Perhaps Conway is splitting the hair more finely. His tweets are reluctant because he doesn't get the press that he wants and that she thinks he deserves. But then that undercuts her point about how Trump's tweets shouldn't be covered. If they're an important workaround because of an unfair press, then it doesn't make sense that the White House wouldn't want the media to present them to the public. If it's good that his tweets go directly to millions on Twitter, why is it bad if they go to millions more on television? So what is Conway up to? She recognizes that Trump's tweets are not actually beneficial. Poll after poll shows that even Trump voters wish he'd stop using Twitter in the same way. Senator John Cornyn, Republican Texas, made a similar case in a local TV interview last week, saying that Trump has created problems for himself with his use of Twitter. That Trump's tweets keep getting him into trouble both makes them more newsworthy and serves as a reminder that they should not be treated as simple social media flotsam now that he's president. Over the weekend, a Twitter bot launched that reformats his tweets to look like official White House statements, highlighting that on Twitter or not, these are the words of the President of the United States. What Conway wants isn't really for the media to dig into Trump's efforts in office, especially given that those efforts are fairly modest in scope. Remember when Trump played down the importance of the 100-day mark of his presidency as it became clear that he wouldn't have much to tout? What Conway wants instead is for the nation to believe that Trump's tweets are just light fluff, Dinner party conversation from a president whose rigorous work weeks are meanwhile getting short shrift. Conway wants us to believe that the Twitter Trump is not the real president. That it's the big wizard of Oz surrounded by flames and smoke who's the real deal, not the guy tapping on his iPhone behind the curtain. That's a tough sell. Because nearly every other indicator suggests that the sober, typical president that the White House tries to put forward is the one that doesn't really exist meaningfully in substance. This is Sam Scholl reading from the Washington Post Animalia section. Backyard chickens blamed for salmonella outbreaks. Do not snuggle with them, CDC says, by Karen Brouillard. America's love affair with backyard chickens is a tad too intimate, and it's making some of us sick. Just this year, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says eight separate salmonella outbreaks linked to contact with pet poultry have taken place in the United States sickening more than 370 people in 47 states and hospitalizing 71. No one has died in 2017, yet. 
In 2016, a record 895 people who consorted with fowl came down with nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, and fever that characterized this infection, and three of them did not survive. So the CDC is once again telling flock owners to hold back on the heavy petting. That's not a metaphor. An agency's study on the rise of these outbreaks found last year that nearly half of the hundreds of salmonella patients surveyed acknowledged snuggling baby birds, and 46% said they allowed their poultry in the house. As backyard bird husbandry has spread throughout urban areas where poultry was previously confined to the dinner plate, many owners have come to see the animals as less food source than adored pet. A proposed ban on backyard flocks in Washington was recently scrapped after passionate opposition from chicken owners, supporters, and some city council members. But in a new advisory on the current outbreaks, the CDC repeats that cohabitation with poultry is not a good idea, no matter how cuddly and house-trained the birds might be. In particular, chickens, geese, and the like should not be in spots where...